right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Dustin Edwards, and this is episode n- number 157, if I didn't already say that yet. But uh, CFR is in the books. The PBR Canadian Finals are this week. Uh, Dustin, you were in Sylvan Lake this past week. Uh, we got a really big guest this time. The Oilers, since we talked to our guest, have fired their head coach. Not sure about that move or not. I guess we'll see. They're currently tied right now with uh, the Islanders. Monday Night Football is upside down. I'm surprised that Denver's beating the Bills, but sports are just a little bit weird right now. Guess Dustin. Sports are weird, but the big news is the Oilers shake up, and our guest is a big Oilers fan. So we talked about the Oilers and what was going to happen, and now a lot has transpired since then. So, man, uh, interesting to see. Okay, what are your thoughts quickly on on that? Like. What do you? What are your thoughts on them shit cannon Woodcroft? Like, I wonder. You know what? You know what? You could, if you coach the Oilers, Ted, the goalie would still let in bad goals. They have too many holes in their team on the ice. It doesn't matter. I don't think who's standing on the bench. It's not going to change. So I think this is more on management, and they haven't addressed the gaps. But, um, you know, this guy's never coached in the NHL at the head coach level. He's been an assistant coach. Um, talked to a few guys that said he was awesome in the Western League and and uh, then out in the OHL. He coached in Kootenai. Um, then obviously the AHL, and he was Connor McDavid's coach. So there's obviously a reason they, they, they went after him, even though they're not saying it was for Connor. It's probably quite evident. But, yeah, uh, be interesting to see what happens here. I uh, I, I really like Woodcroft. And just the inconsistency in coaches and like all of their, what would you say? Like all of their systems would be different every time you have a different coach, like to relearn a system and try a new deal. Like it seems to me like it's unnecessary to keep starting over on that side. Yeah. Um, They they just need to address the holes that they've had with goaltending defense. So it's, you know, and at some point it's on the players too, but. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the management, I I think that's where the hole is right now. They they need someone that can go in there and address their concerns and make something happen. You're wasting the the years of two of the best players in the world's careers right now. So, but they already have like they wasted them with Chirelli, yeah. and they they're wasting them now. Like um, any year they don't win could be a waste, but every year that they are going, though at the same time, uh, like every year they're going the. Uh, it take well, but the other side of it though is it takes so long to build a team properly after like because you're not building a team in November. You're building a team in the no. summer and in the off season, and they didn't do they're not gonna, they're not gonna trade their they're not gonna trade their way to a cup. No. No, no not now. So it's, it's in the it's in the rumor it's or it's not. So but I don't I don't think it was Woodcroft, but I don't know. He's the fall guy, anyways. He's the fall guy. Um Anyways, uh, moving on to more things important to our listeners. Uh, CFR, I thought that was the best CFR in Red Deer in the entire time it was there. Yeah, they finished with a bang. It was a really good week. Rodeo was good. The crowds were good. Um, I think they should have been really proud with how how it all finished. It was, from my vantage point, I thought it was exceptional this year. What was a highlight for you on the, uh, on the, on the CFR? One thing couple things you take away from the week uh i just thought that it was good to see such parity amongst the competition you know like i mean obviously like a zeke winning a title is not a shock but i thought that 
there's just so many good stories and good battles and and you know you've seen rookies do well and and different people win the finals average versus winning both so I, I just like when there's such good competition that it, it makes it such a race coming into the final day so you know I I think like uh Blake Molly is a rookie you know is really good there that Carly Cowie wins the wins the, the average, average in the barrel racing so two rookies really shone there so I just thought like things like that was really cool. And I thought like Edgar Durazo in the bull riding was one of the best performances I've ever seen at a CFR in the bull riding. And that was, that was fun to watch too. So. The, uh, what was I going to say? The, uh, one of, one of the things I really enjoyed about the CFR this year was doing the uh, broadcast, the, the radio broadcast. I hadn't done that in quite a few years. And I ta- I texted him. I was like, Hey, do you guys want me to help you out for the bull riding? And so I, I really enjoyed doing that personally um but I, I just love seeing everybody around there i thought it was so good to see like such a full crowd and just see it be you know full full beer gardens full cabaret um the trade show seemed like it was it got busier as the week went on i thought i thought it went really well overall so i was glad that it glad that it worked out glad it went yeah well. I, think, I think i think everybody recognized the fact that it's the last one in red year and everybody embraced it and you know, it was just, there was just everything about it was, was really well. And uh, yeah, the the crowds help and yeah, it's a great time. Me and Dave did the cowboy channel, which was a lot of fun yeah, this year. And absolutely. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think, I think everybody all around that was working or part of it, you know, production side and your side and my side and, and everybody's, nobody had anything bad to say this year. So it was great. The only bad comments I heard was people mad that it was going back to Edmonton. Which I was kind of surprised by. I was like, I had one guy come up on Sunday, and he was like, "Tell me how bad of an idea it was to go to Edmonton." I was like, "I'm sorry, but I like I didn't make the call. I'm sorry, sir." Like he's like, oh, "I'm not going." I was like, "Well, thanks for caring enough to share, but like I, I, I didn't ask, and I don't know what your point is, but thanks for telling me." I guess. You know, it's funny. I'm standing in the pizza line. There's a little pizza joint uh, on the concourse. It's, yeah, it's the best pizza, and there was a guy, probably three people down for me, and. I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if Bronk was in line and heard this conversation, but same thing. Like a slice of pizza was like seven bucks. So it's like pr- still pretty reasonable. And I heard a guy behind and he's like, wait till next year. That thing's going to cost $15 when we go to Edmonton. And he was making a big scene <laughs> with his buddy. And I'm thinking, you know, like they're, they're, you're right. There's a lot of people that said, you know, we finally got it good here. Like, why are we leaving? So it's, yeah. sorry, go ahead. It's, it's the same people who were probably complaining the first year it was in red year saying, it's not like it was in Edmonton, so who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I hopefully, hopefully it's a good. We'll see. Tip of that to Westerner Park. They finished it 100%. off. They did a great job to finish it. So and hopefully, hopefully, a lot of the same team involved ends up moving forward, going to Edmonton. Like I hope that they keep some of that crew together because they did an amazing job. And and you know, I, I just I hope that it goes goes that way and uh, a lot of that team moves forward. We'll see, but. Uh, Every, everything's up for grabs. We'll, uh, we're, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens, but Hey, I got to go back to one thing in red deer. Um, the, before the week I predicted that, uh, that, uh, well, I kind of had a bit of a beef with, with Lonnie Phillips talking to Dakota about turning out. And I said, I didn't know if he was going to ride any bulls, but he did stay on one. So kudos to Lonnie for getting, staying on one and, and, uh, you know, getting to check that last day. So, uh, prove me, prove me wrong. And I, I was a little <laughs> bit aggressive with that prediction and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be rude. I, I was trying to uh, like stand up for Dakota a little bit. So I, I got to eat my hat on that one. Um, I was wrong. Uh, but was uh, wrong too. And I, when I bet against Zeke winning the title and then he bucked <laughs> off, and then he bucked off on the first night and 
I thought the door opened and then he proceeded to slam it shut again. Yeah, the the he did slam it shut. That's that's for damn sure. Won three rounds in a row. Uh, the uh, I was also wrong on Koi. I thought Koi was going to do well, and I don't think did he. Oh, he must have wrote a couple. He at least wrote one. He wrote his last two goals, I think. Okay, yeah. So he wrote two, but like, like I was way wrong on that one. So, um, both of our bold predictions were very boldly wrong. Yeah, I predicted Jake Gardner. Oh yeah, what was my other one? I forgot what my second one was. I don't remember now. Must not have been. I had we everyone we picked it horribly. I picked Bo Cooper in the tie down opening. I don't think he caught a calf till about round four. Round four, and then I think he might have won the round. But yeah, anyways. Um. Okay, moving on from CFR. Uh, what should we get to? Um, this uh this week, uh for me PBR Canada Finals. You just came from uh from Sylvan Lake. Want to talk about uh that quick, or should we get right to this next week coming up? Uh, there's the there's the oh one thing I got to get to is is uh Oat and Agribition. They got some bullfights this week too. I want to get to that, but we also have the the album review. Should we do that as kind of a precursor to the show? Yeah, let's let's do it. And we'll wrap it up, wrap up the other stuff after that. Okay, yep. cool. So so this week's guest uh, for those of you tuning in, uh, Brett Kissel, Canadian country music artist. Uh, he's you know been on the show before. Um, I worked with his uh, one of his uh, managers. Uh, in Red Deer at the at the CFR, he he was managing the stage and the and the artists and all that. So, so, anyways, it was great to have uh, Brett on the show. But he gave us an idea at the end of the show where he said we should review albums. So there's some, I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit before. There's a bit of a a music, um, a music theme on the show. You know, Ned Ledoux, Aaron Watson, Kissel, Corblund, uh, Coulter Wall so far right so maybe there's some more musicians coming down the pipe at some point don't know but uh but the album review was a cool idea so so brett has his uh current project the uh the compass the compass project his current uh work and the latest that we just talked about here was the west album so so dustin do you want to kick off kind of some of your thoughts on the west album after after checking it out well yeah because it was cool because it was after we finished recording where brett was like man you guys are like you're in you're in cowboy the cowboy world and like your your rodeo people and like he's like i really think this will appeal to them and and we didn't say it on the air which which i was like after the fact i'm like we should have said that but so then of course i'm like okay i'm gonna go listen because uh you know he might maybe he's just dangling the carrot so we we talk good about it but then i went and listened to it and it was like damn this is like an old kind of school country album which yeah you know if if you're a brett kissel fan he's very been very commercial the last you know, probably seven or eight years and he's had big hits and they're, they're very yeah. like radio friendly and commercial and, and the now style of country where it's, you know, it's, it's what's hot. And, and I thought like, man, this probably, is like, it's probably what works with the record. Like probably some of the stuff yeah. you like, you know, some of these guys have to do to be part of their deals almost. Right. Like, I, I don't know the whole inside and outside of the business, but yeah. So you know, I thought that oh, I'll have a listen. And I, I put the whole record on while I was at work and I, I put it on shuffle. And man, all of a sudden I was like, these these feel like George Strait songs or even, you know, almost like that core blend feel where it's like, I'm yeah. going to talk about oil and cattle and Alberta and, <laughs> and uh, you know, playing crib. And, 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 and actually these are the titles of like some of the songs, right? So, um, I just thought it was it was really a really cool album. I, I'm a huge like '90s country fan. I love the old George Strait sound, steel guitar, and that 
uh, just wholesome country. And I thought that, geez, this is like one of the first guys I've heard in the modern era that's really tackled this. And he he spoke to that, that he wanted to to do that. And I thought he hit it out of the park with, with exactly how he described it was exactly what I heard. So I, I was, uh, uh, took a quick listen on, on here as well, but like really a fan of missing you in San Antonio is not the number one track on this, on this record, but it's got a really cool sound and not anything that sounded anything like anything I've heard from Brett before. Um, I remember listening to him one time, uh, it was like a it was a River City Roundup event in Edmonton, I believe, during the CFR in the early two thousands. I think that Danny Hooper and maybe Corb were playing, and Kissel was there. Maybe this was at a black tie bingo thing, but remember like Kissel singing like an old school like Tennessee Ernie Ford song, like the one sixteen tons. That that song like really really old school, but he was singing that one. So another one on this on this West album is the. Uh, what is it called here? Behind closed doors. So he covers the Charlie right. Pride behind closed doors. So there's some there's some cool uh cool stuff on this this one. And I, and I would say it's it's hinting at the authenticity side. I don't know how commercially successful it'll be for him. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't know because what do you, what do you know these days on what's going to work or not? But uh, I I think mainstream radio will shy away from that type of music anymore. But if you're like a a country music fan like old school country and and you like the lyrical content about you know alberta and cattle and what i what i call small town rural vibes this is this is something that you're going to put on and enjoy and it's funny when you're talking about like i remember so brett would be two or three years younger than me but i can remember when i was about 18 or 19 working at an event in our my hometown of big valley and Brett was playing there with Danny Hooper. And it was like when he was, he wasn't even on the radio yet, really. He was just like a young kid. Like he'd been like 15 or 16 and yeah. he used to go and play with Danny at these like legions and community halls and stuff. And I remember back then him singing these songs about like calving time and being on the farm with his grandpa. And I'm thinking like when I heard him come out, you know, 10, 15 years later with like all these like big songs, like airwaves and, and, and things like that where it's like man that that's the guy who was singing about calvin with his with his family and the big valley <laughs> hall in 2008 but i feel like he's almost gone back to that but it's obviously way more polished and 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 drawing from all his inspiration so it was, it was just a really cool album to listen to well and pretty neat uh that the uh the compass project you know spanning over uh quite a quite a timeline already now like so one of the one of the biggest hits so far in the Compass Project is uh, "Ain't the Same" with Brett Kissel in '98 Degrees, which is kind of wild. Uh, another good one, "Never Have I Ever." So far, those are both from the South album. Um, but then the East album, it's kind of like he mentions it in the show here, where he's talking about kind of the East Coast vibes, where the South is kind of the Nashville stuff. So uh, these ones are really country and western. And then he has another one, uh, another one coming up with the, that's like North Star. So, anyways, hope everybody uh, enjoys the show with Brett and enjoy some of the new music. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get yeah. to the, get to the, get to the interview with Brett and talk to y'all again in a bit. Take that one last straw, put it in a glass too much work, work boss man could kiss my ass. Might give a damn's empty. So I'm filling up my cup. Hell yeah. That makes two of us. Spend it all night. Spend it all our cash. 
welcome to uh cowboy shit podcast uh dustin edwards and ted stoven we're really excited to be joined by this week's guest he's now a 22 time ccma award winner three juno awards so many certified albums platinum records i don't know where uh where this resume will stop but uh more importantly just released the the third part of a four-part compass project album on november 3rd and we're so excited to welcome to the show mr brett kissel well, thank you, gentlemen. Like, holy, what a, what, what a great intro. I mean, a lot of it is, I mean, this is the cowboy shit podcast. I'm sure a lot of that is bullshit, but I mean, it sounds good. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the intro, fellas. Came right off your website, man. <laughs> um, well, hey, what, what, whatever the managers put on there, it's that, you know, I, I haven't been counting. I can, I, I can tell you that for free. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it's pretty darn good at, at 33, Brett, uh, You've sure put together a, a very impressive career, and we know it's just the just the start. So, uh, congratulations on on all the success, and and uh, and this project seems uh, pretty pretty darn exciting. It looks like it's been a, a crazy year for you. It's it's been a great year, one that I'm you know really grateful for. I learned a lot of great lessons, and um, you know probably had one of the best summers, if not the very best summer of my life. Just a wonderful balance between um, you know time with my family and soaking in all this time with our little kids and. And then also having some great gigs and traveling across Canada. Like it was, it really was a phenomenal, phenomenal summer. And so for me, I'm very, very grateful for all of that. And when you talk about the third record that is part of this Compass Project, there's one platform, which is the Cowboy Shit Podcast, that I was really hoping that we'd have a chance to have a conversation. And the re reason why is because when we had spoken, you know, over over a year ago, it might have been two years now during COVID. Yeah, over last two. Time we spoke February 21. Yeah. So when, when we had spoken last time, I, I, I might've said at that time, or maybe I was just thinking that I always wanted to do a truly authentic Western record. And I finally did that. And that's what the West album is all about on this compass project that, uh, that just came out last week. You also said you were going to get on a bull sometime, but that has yet to happen as far as I know. <clears throat> I, I'm still, I'm still going to do it. Absolutely. I got to figure <laughs> out as long happen. as I can have the neck brace and uh, <laughs> neck brace and the hockey helmet. That's, that's that's all that's all that's what my wife says I, I have to do. So well, I will admit, Brett is a man of his word when he challenged because we were just talking before the show started that uh back when I was with the Drumheller Dragons, uh Brett had mentioned about wanting to put on some goalie pads and come out to a practice. And uh not only did you come out to the practice, you said like boys, don't hold back. And you were taking, you know, 95 mile an hour slap shots from these junior guys. A few of the guys who have gone on to play professional now are or at some, you know, high collegiate level. So you're, uh, you don't back down from a challenge. Well, maybe it's kind of that crazy goalie mentality that uh, all goalies are, are, are a little bit loopy, but I, I never, I mean, I played hockey as a little kid, um, but I love when we would play all these junior hockey barns, like we did in drum or I did in Brooks here just a, a little while ago in Brooks. I didn't get a chance to, to skate or anything like that. Cause we were actually on the ice surface. But that's something that I really loved to do. And I always was the guy who would play net because everybody else plays forward and then you don't have a goalie. So I'd rather just have guys take up at the blue line or the center line. And that way I get all the action. And it's <laughs> another great thing. If you think of the psychology of having a band and a crew, you're, like you're living together with, you know, 14, 15, 16 guys on the road for almost the better part of a year while you're on tour. So what better way for them to let off a little steam than to fire some slappers at the boss? So it's there's some psychology to it too. 
but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, your your boys were uh, they were bringing the heat, and it was it was fun to stop a few of those. And then I remember, <laughs> I think the clip of you actually you made like a legit like five bell save on a guy, and it actually the clip ended up on an Oilers broadcast on Hockey Night in Canada or something like that, didn't it? It was. So the story is for all, all your listeners is that as we were wrapping up this practice or whatever, just this fun practice, I said, Kate, you know, every guy like we're going to do an, an elimination. If I stop you, you got to go, you know, go back into the dressing room. Well, the first 12 guys went and it was score, 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 score. So I said, okay, well, this isn't any fun. Let's just take your top 10 and some kind of challenge or whatever. So one guy dipsy doodles around me, but I ended up making, I lost my stick and I was out of my, you know, you know, uh, dangled out of my tree and I still made the save. So that was the one of 20 saves that I'd made in the shootout. And of course, you know, uh, when Ron McLean and those guys asked if I ever play hockey, I, I only send them one clip and it's that one. So <laughs> it was, it was pretty fun. It was highlight reel. I'll never forget that. That was cool. So Brett, you, you actually remember the date of that. And was that, um, it's making me wonder like what your memories like on the tours and different events that have happened over the years. Like, I wonder, is that, was that a specific thing? Cause it made the hockey night in Canada broadcast or was that like, is your memory like a date oriented kind of, um, uh, yeah, very, very wonder. much a, a date oriented. Yeah, for sure. Really? Um, you know, my, my, I, I know I've got a, I know I've got a good memory. I'm real, really proud of that. Um, but like my, my brother and both my grandpas have incredible memories. Like my grandpa Kissel before he passed away would be like, yeah, I remember it was April 1st, uh, 1973. We bought those heifers and, uh, yeah, you know, it was X amount per pound and, uh, da, 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 And Jens Jorgensen came with me there and, uh, oh, we, you know, stopped by Gary Wasenko's for a drink of whiskey. And, and it's like his, it's hundred percent to a T and all the Kissels, like I'm, I'm saying all the Kissels have a memory like that. My cousin, Mo, my uncle, Alan, my dad, me. So it is very much about, um, the dates. So if I can remember the date, then I can remember what we were doing. If I remember what we were doing, it's uh, just kind of a cool, cool thing to have in your back pocket. So what about <laughs> the football behind you? What, what is it? What's the date uh, on it? That what one I was from, uh, yeah, February of 2020, um, February 22nd, I was down in Pittsburgh and um, I did a really unique uh, event with Brett Kiesel and Brett is the star um, star defensive uh, lineman for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and he won two Super Bowls with them and he and I get tagged in each other's tweets and Facebook and Instagram messages daily. Brett Kissel is always tagged in Steelers stuff and Brett Kiesel is always tagged in country music stuff. So I sent him a DM one day and I said, I got to get to know you. So he fired back and he said, we'll come down to Pittsburgh. So I hung out with him in Pittsburgh um, and TSN and, and, uh, and Bar Down Sports uh, produced a special uh, called uh, Gridirons and Guitars, where he taught me how to be an NFL superstar for three, four days. And I, on those same days, I taught him how to write songs. And and for, so the two of us, which I'm little Brett and he's big Brett, I'm five foot seven, he's six foot seven. So it it made for some good TV. That's really that's a really cool story. Well, I have to admit, you know, the fact that you can remember all that you know, now that you've got a celebrity to yourself and, and you go so many places, it must, must make people feel pretty special when you can, you know, when you can remember them from different things or different events, like that must make people feel pretty good. Hey. Well, I, I know that it does because I know it makes me feel good. 
you know, I, I ran into, I know it sounds name droppy, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with this is that Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood have the two best memories in, in the country music business. And, and I've seen it firsthand how Garth will come to Edmonton and he'll remember something that happened in 1996 and the organizer of that event and the organizer is his kid's birthday. So he remembers that it was his kid's 10th birthday. So if his kid's 10th birthday was in, you know, 1996, it means they're born in 1986. So therefore, now that we're back there in 2016, well, it means that clearly, you know, this kid is, you know, going to be turning X, X years old. So it's so interesting how he can do that. And I watched him do that on this tour. And when I ran into Trisha Yearwood at an event in Nashville, she asked about my grandparents. So she knows probably how I'm doing through Instagram or what have you, but it doesn't matter how I'm doing. If she really wants to get to know me or really get to my heart, the psychology of meeting and talking to people is to ask about somebody that matters to you. So if, if she, with her asking how my grandparents were, who met her backstage, that was really, really special. And she knew that grandpa was going through some health challenges at the time. So to say, how is his health doing? You know, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So for me, you know, I'll remember the conversation now with you, Dusty, about like, hey, you know, you just started working with the Flames and everything. Like, how is that going? I'll remember now two years later, I'll say, you know, you're two years into your your work with the Flames. Uh, how's it going? You know, uh, tell, tell me about it. And you'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you remembered that. But I I feel it's important to remember these these details. It's because you're aware. It's because you care. So I've I've learned a lot from Garth and Trisha in that regard. That's a really cool story. Yeah, that's that's really neat, and that's uh, I respect that about you. That's that's really neat. Well, thank you. Well, and so further on to that point uh, in the tour, what are some memorable dates on the tour that you just had this year? Well, there events too. I guess you've got your yeah, guessing kids and anniversary on the arm too. Exactly. Yeah, my kids, my kids' birthdays are are on my arm. There were a bunch of really cool events that we did uh, when I played the Grand Ole Opry in in April. That was really, really special. Um, we had a bunch of friends and family come come down for that. And, uh, and you know, I, I've played it now, you know, 10, 10, 12 times. And so that was just really, really cool to be back at the Opry. Um, <clears throat> was there again in September. So it's, it's when you get to play those gigantic stages that have so much meaning associated with it. Don't get me wrong. There's, it's pretty special when I still get to play in, in Lloydminster. I get to play at the CNE in Toronto. I played the Tweed Stampede, the rodeo in Tweed, Ontario. And that was a party. Like that was so, so fun and so good. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's those big moments that, that I, I don't forget because they have so much weight and they mean so much to me and the people that I bring to these shows. What about, what about the little moments and the fun stuff happening on the road or the wrecks and the travel? Like there's gotta be some, some fun ones like that too. <clears throat> well, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, any rodeo cowboy that, that, that you talk to, I mean, sometimes that the best stories and the best times are what happens, you know, once the rodeo is done and everybody's got a Ryan Coke in their hand and they got a red solo cup and they're hanging in some guy's trailer. And before you know it, a card game breaks out and you have a lot of fun in that way. So a lot of my, my favorite moments are, are, are with the band and it's when we laugh. And sometimes, sometimes, cause we're just a bunch of characters. You don't know what's going to make us, us laugh at sometimes we're just delirious because we're, been up for you know 36 hours straight and everything is funny but um we we had a good one in italy uh when we were on on tour there we did a tour for um a united states uh 
army, the Canadian army and stuff like that. And we were actually robbed and our, our two vehicles were broken into while we were at dinner and they stole everything, all of our luggage, all of our gear, everything. And we were just like a half a block off base. So our liaisons from the American military, like nobody, you know, screws with the army were, were good. And yet famous last words, both of our vehicles were smashed and our 15 passenger vans and everything was stolen. I'm talking a quarter million dollars worth of gear gone. But through a wild circumstance, we have Apple AirTags. And without giving you this, you know, the four-hour version of this story, the Apple AirTags pinged in a nearby village to which the military police and the Carbonieri uh, were like, we know that community. That's like full mob territory. So they went in guns a-blazing. And Tyler, my fiddle player, and my stage manager, James, like they just went into this guy's house, like, knocked down no warrant or none of that shit no red tape just like the apple air take says it's in that house there's like full-on yellowstone rip wheeler shit they knock down the door guns ablaze and get on the ground and tyler's like that's my wife's backpack and tyler's like there was a whole bunch there was a brand new ziploc bag full of brand new brett kissel picks scattered all over the floor he's like those are our picks oh my god that's my fiddle that's brett's guitar like so we retrieved all this stuff and when we got back to the hotel and Tyler and the, the military police are bringing back our guitars and all of our merch and our backpacks and our passports and all that shit, we we got so drunk, like we won the Stanley Cup. Like we canceled all our shows. That was show number one of a four show run over the course of nine days. We have to cancel the other three shows because we had no gear. And then we have to rebook them because we retrieved all the gear. We retrieved all our shit back. So, I mean, that's a memory none of us will ever forget. And that's a hangover I'll never forget either because the, the hotel lobby bar just stayed open. And then we got all this stuff back. I mean, we, we, we drank till nine in the morning. <clears throat> what a, yeah. That's a wild story. That wasn't, and, say, and we drank with the story. cops too. Yeah. The cops, the cops, we, we drank with them too. Oh, Cause they, they were off, off shift and we had the translator and they're, we're drinking limoncellos and like play this game and say this before you drink and like oh yeah I was we we put in a shift. Oh, that's a wild story. I know. Have have you um you know getting back out in the road and getting busy? I mean obviously the pandemic was tough on rodeo and athletes and music and all that stuff. Have you changed the way you tour? Do you appreciate a little more after sitting sitting stagnant during all that? Absolutely. I I love it more than I've ever loved it. I'm more grateful than I've ever been. I'm more excited than I've ever been. And me and the band, we really prioritize this one word, joy. What brings us the most joy? Is it these songs? Is it this moment? What is it about touring that has been so hard and so difficult and gets guys so run down? Why don't we reverse engineer it? And why don't we prioritize joy? What is going to give us the most joy? And so we felt that um, another great gig this year was in Strathmore. Because Strathmore was a gig that we had booked prior to COVID. So finally, when this happened and we ended up playing, you know, their big party there June 24th uh, and June 25th, it was, it was phenomenal. And I, I tell you, we made up for lost time. It was, it was the show of the summer. Those guys were, were pumped about the event too. The Strathmore crew, they, uh, they do the, like the Cowboy Town concert, they're calling it now. And it's like, yeah. I think they're three or four years into it maybe. And uh, you did this year. And they got Clint Black next year. 
Uh, yeah. Similar kind of timing, but those guys, the Strathmore crew is doing a good job. And, and it sounded yeah. like you guys had a kick-ass show and they sold, you sold lots of, uh, lots of whiskey. <clears throat> like it sounded like it went awesome. Yeah. We had like 4,000 people there. So that was awesome. I think that they had made plans for about 1500 and they sold 1500 in like the first day. So they're like, Oh shit. Like we're, we're in for one. So oh, it's yeah. great. My buddy, Brandon Lorenzo was a great opening act. And oh, so just the stars aligned and <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Brandon uh, CFR on uh, yeah, Wednesday. That's right. Yeah. He played at uh, the cabaret. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get him some of our stuff. Actually. He, he was wearing a Montana silversmith buckle. So I had to, uh, I was like, Hey, where are you from? He's like, Airdrie. I'm like, Oh, our warehouse is in Airdrie. So I'm going to get him. Uh, I'm going to get him one of our, one of our new buckets. Cowboy shit buckets. All right on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's already great. wearing Montana. I was like, oh, I got to update that for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, your guys, you've done such a great job with the podcast and, and building a, a great brand. Like, as I, I love branding and I love, um, you know, the, how one can diversify their business. And when you can create a brand like that, especially in a wonderful market that is the rodeo and the Western way of life and the cowboy cowgirl way of life. I think it's, I, I think it's awesome. And I don't know if you've started cowgirl shit, but you should trademark that and you should make those hats too. Oh yeah. That, <clears throat> our best selling hat is a cowgirl shit hat. Perfect. And, and we do have the marks. It's already in the works. <laughs> Good. Oh, okay. But branding. So how's, how's the deuce vodka business? I see it in the stores, different places. I haven't, I haven't asked about that lately. How, how's the vodka business? Uh, it's been amazing. So we've we've uh, also spread our wings and we've started a few other brands too. Uh, so Deuce Vodka is our premium brand. When we started with that, one of our challenges is that we really thought as a company that a premium vodka, a local premium vodka was going to do really well. And even though it did, and we were in 400 stores real quick. If you have a $40 vodka, and granted, we wanted it to be 25 to 27 bucks, but every liquor store gets to choose their price. So when you have a $40 vodka, people aren't buying that every week yet. They're buying that at Christmas or for a 25th anniversary. You know, it's unless you're, you really have a, a true affiliation or uh, a love for Tito's or Grey Goose, you're not, you're, most people just buy the cheapest and the restaurants buy the cheapest for the well. And you just need something to mix with Caesars. And also just because I'm a Ukrainian and I can drink vodka straight doesn't mean anybody else does. <laughs> so with that being said, we realized that that might have been a misstep. So Deuce Vodka is still doing well, but the part of the company that is doing the best is our brand called Backcountry Vodka. So that it's an economy vodka and it's in a plastic bottle that is the cheapest vodka in the province, um, but it's really, really good. We don't do all the special things that we do with Deuce for Backcountry, but we don't need to. So that's really great. Um, we just invested in a brewery uh, in Nanaimo, B.C., we uh, just bought a vineyard in Nova Scotia, and we've launched a new vodka there called High Seas Vodka. We're launching a vodka in New Brunswick. So we're basically, our plan now is we're doing a local vodka in every province oh, wow. is what we're going to do. That way we can also take advantage of local tax breaks and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's the plan, and it's it's been amazing. Thank you for asking. What what else are you working on business-wise? I, I, go, I got a couple other things I want to get back to, but what else are you guys working on besides that? Um. We we've got a we've got a, a hangover remedy that uh, that we that we're creating um, right now. So that'll launch in 2024. Um, we've got the name for it. I'm really proud of. It's called Hero Shot, and our tagline is Save the Next Day. And the best part about it is that when you it's it's it morning recovery is the only one available in Canada right now. And morning recovery is really good, and it does it does work. 
we've now been able to take a lot of those ingredients and enhance it. We've got an extraordinary food scientist out of the University of Saskatchewan named Rick Green, who has created the, like, this is the healthiest drink you can drink. It's full of Japanese raisin tree and milk thistle and everything that essentially repairs your liver. Um, DHM is an incredible compound. So, so Hero Shot is really important. Um, then also, we've got an outdoor television show called Backwoods Backstage. So we're entering our fourth season now on the Sportsman Network here in Canada, where we hunt and fish um, and we film it. We've got some incredible sponsors like PV Martin, Alberta Hunter Education uh, Association, Instructors Association. So that's really, really cool in my spare time. And then the other thing is, um, since we last spoke, I, I did buy the farm. I bought the family farm from my yeah. grandparents. And um, now we're really excited. We're going to put more cattle back there. I had a good conversation at the Heritage Classic with uh, uh, ex-oiler uh, and Calgary Flame, Curtis Glencross, who oh, yeah. does a lot of ag-based ag uh, investments. So my hope is to buy, I don't know, three, 400 grassers from him um, or through him and have them come out to the ranch. I don't have time to feed them in the winter, but we've got all this pasture. So there's there's a lot of shit going on, but I'm oh, yeah. I'm loving it. <clears throat> okay. I got to I got to go back to this while I'm thinking of it, but I want to talk family ranch and like you guys are fifth generation up there. Like you've been around a long time, but, but, yeah. but I got to go back to the tour side of things because, um, on our, um, like we do these bull riding events and a lot of the, a lot of the decent sized venues, like we're actually in Rogers next week, uh, next weekend at, in Edmonton. That's our Canadian PBR finals. Right. So PBR Canada right finals are there and we were just in, uh, Saskatoon at the Sashtel and, you know, some of the biggest crowds ever come to these shows now. And, but like, we're on the tour there and I have a set of gear that goes to those shows. But, but I wonder like my question, and I was asking, talking with Dustin, I was like, do you think that he gets sick of playing the same songs all the time? Like, I wonder about the artists and I haven't asked many people this, like, what are, what are your, like you, you, they're your songs and you're playing your own songs, but like, do you get tired of playing the same ones all the time? Or do you guys just kind of like, I know I, I did ask Corb about it and he has hand signals for the different, like the different songs that they're, that he has. So the, the band, they just kind of play as they go. But like, there's got to be set yeah. less at time, but like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I feel like I got to play different stuff as a music guy, like as a DJ, because I like get sick of the what, the same music all the time. So what's what's your head like on that? <clears throat> you know, I think the difference, you know, between you and I in that regard is that as a DJ, these songs aren't yours. So you don't really have a connection to them. So because of that, it would make perfect sense that you'd get sick of it. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I love George Strait and Brooks and Dunn and Garth Brooks songs, but, you know, if, if I have to hear Neon Moon a million times, you know, you could definitely get tired of it. That being said, for me, um, why I'm also different than many artists, because every country singer I, I talk to definitely gets sick of, of certain things. That's why, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp apparently never plays Jack and Diane anymore. Just sick of it. Won't do it. Really? And to me, that 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 kind of bothers me a little bit as a fan and also as an artist, because... That's what we do. That's what we got into this for. So I'll do different versions of these songs, but it actually is a different version every freaking single time I play. And the reason why it's a different version is because sometimes I got to do an intimate version of this song because I'm just playing to, I don't know, a hundred people at a really beautiful fundraiser. You know, everybody's dressed up and it's just the who's who of Toronto. And I'm going to do airwaves in a really unique way because it's just me and my guitar. Or I'm doing Airwaves and it's the last song of the night and I'm opening for Tim McGraw at Craven uh, at Country Thunder in front of 31,000 people 
it feels different. It sounds different. It is different. So I can play the same song every night, time and time again, but I have this different mentality in the band. And well, I'll throw more solos or I always change up my set list. My band knows that I'll do kind of the first two or three songs at, to start off the show. That's pretty typical and standard. And the rest, I swear to God, is heads up hockey. It's heads up hockey. Whatever I'm wanting to do. And that's what keeps us all fresh. So it's fun. It's actually fun if some of the guys, which is rare, but some of the guys make make a mistake or are a little bit flustered. It's fun. It gives us something to talk about. Or it's even more fun when I call this random song or this cover, we're going to do Blue Clear Sky by George Strait. And we haven't done this one since I was 19 years old. We know it, but we've never done it, you know, in 15 years. And we play it and it sounds better than the record. And you just got to high five the guys and be like, that's why my band is the best, you know? So no, to answer your question, even though I was long-winded, no, I never get tired. That's a cool answer because I've always wondered that. I was curious. The other question I had when I always wonder is, do you remember the moment or or what song it was, the first time that you were able to get the crowd to sing your own lyrics? And I always think that's got to be like the moment <clears> where you <throat> think, geez, I've had to have made it because now the crowd is taking it and singing it. Do you ever remember the first time that that really happened for you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would give this particular gig the credit. It was at Adelaide Hall in, in downtown Toronto during Canadian Music Week. So multi-genre, not the Junos, not the CCMAs, just Canadian Music Week. And um, it was in May and 321 was climbing up the charts, but it wasn't even top 10 yet. Um, so I, I started, you know, we, we played the song. And by the time, you know, we get to the chorus, everybody's singing along. So I got the band to, you know, slow down and let the crowd sing the chorus. And it's a small club of maybe, you know, 600 people. But they were, there was probably 800 people in a 600 person club. Like they were on top of each other. And they were singing three, two, one chorus back to me. And I was so proud of that moment. It was, it was a little bit emotional too, because that's, that's, that's what you hope for, you know, as, as a country artist is to experience that. And it's probably probably uh, hits a little when you're uh, in front of thirty thousand at Craven. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's seen there's some nothing from like there. it. Looked wild. I seen some videos <clears throat> of your show there. It looked uh, looked crazy. And I and I love it. I I love to perform. And you know, honestly, whether it's my songs or every now and then, we've got some really good covers. You know, in our back pocket that if we feel it's it's a good time to break it out, we'll do John Denver. Thank God, I'm a country boy, and we do a you know a banger version of that. Or Garth Brooks, Colin Baton Rouge, you know. Um, I started also doing a competition between the Cowboys and the Cowgirls in the crowd. And, you know, I really want the Cowboys to win, but they never do. And so <laughs> if the girls, I say, if the girls win, I'm going to do I'm gonna do all of the girls' favorite songs. But if the guys win, we're going to do an all-dude medley of songs. And like <laughs> 10 shows in a row, we never get to do the guy medley of like, you know, John Michael Montgomery, Clay Walker is going to be this 90s country medley. So the girls always win. And we do, um, you know, Jody Messina, Dina Carter, Reba, Trisha Yearwood and Shania. So that is really cool. Just having everybody sing along to those songs and have these girls melt, you know, because I'm doing a Shania song. Cool. What What about uh, we in the live event business? There's I, I don't know. I feel like the average of 
the really great shows to the ones that are like, yeah, that's, you know, it's pretty good. Then there's one like, oh, this was really a struggle at times. Like, what is that ratio like for you? And I, I'm I'm thinking you're on the higher side with the with joy being the point now. But like a lot of people don't and a lot of people probably don't know what's going on on the on the stage and with the audio side of things, unless it's a real wreck. But like I, I just feel like some people will say, oh, that was a great show. And then I was like, yeah, well, I thought this part was rough or this part was tough. But like, what's that like for you on your side of it? I'm I'm really interested on that side. I'm well, I'm very uh like I'm very, very hard on myself and I really strive to you know, have the best possible show and the best possible product for anybody who's going to spend 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever to come see us play, especially in a day and age where there is so much variety and country music is so strong right now um, that, you know, there's probably in Calgary tonight, there's probably eight different country events that are going on and it's only a, you know, middle of the week. So I'm very hard on myself. And uh, at the beginning of this tour, um, you know, my show in Prince George, um, my show in Brooks last weekend, uh, I know the crowd enjoyed it. And it's tough for me to actually say this, but like I got back and, you know, I got back to the hotel and I called two nights in a row. I called a meeting with my band and my crew. And I said, you know, this is unacceptable. This really didn't go over well. We really got to tighten up this aspect of the show. And I take honestly, probably 98% of the ownership. So it's an opportunity for me to tell everybody like, Hey, we all know it wasn't good. And these are the reasons why. And I take ownership of, of pretty much all of them. You know, either I talked too long or the set list wasn't right, or we wanted to do two sets to have an intermission. And that was a stupid choice because you lose momentum. So yeah, I, it, it happens actually a lot for me. Um, but then once we get it right and we have our recipe for success, then holy shit, we we milk it, and then we'll we'll go a year, uh, an entire year without a bad show. Okay, that's that's interesting. It's it's funny to think because I had friends that were at your show in Brooks, and they were like, "It was so great, it was amazing." They they absolutely loved it. So to hear the backside of it and being in live events and sports, we all know it's it's not always a home run, or we don't feel like like it is sometimes. But you know, I, I have this analogy, fellas, that. We, we go out there like as if it's a sports team mentality, like we go out there to win, you know, that's a hundred percent. We want to go out there and, and we want to win. We want to win the affection and, and the love of the audience. We want to, we want to win in that market. If there's other events going on in, in town that night, we want to make sure that ours was the most memorable and ours was the best. It's not a conceited thing. It's not to shit on anybody else. It's just that strive. We just strive for excellence. So, that's very, very important for us. And even though, you know, I'm very grateful that your friends who are in Brooks said it was, a, it was, you know, it was a great show. They had a great time. We still won the game. I feel that we still won the game there, but it was four to three in overtime and we almost lost it. So that's unacceptable when we're capable of winning 10, nothing every single night. Like if my band is playing to, to their ability, which they, they, they really, they, they do. And if our crew is on it and if I'm on it, we're unstoppable and that's the mentality that we have. And again, I don't want it to come across as conceited. I just want it to come out as, as this, this really great confidence that I've instilled in my band to go out there and, and be killers. So when we don't kill it, or especially me as a leader, when I don't kill it for whatever reason, um, it's just, it's, it's unacceptable. What, what are your days looking like? to set yourself up for success on those, 
on those great show days, what are your days like? Um, well, they're too busy, uh, to, to be honest. I have to, I have to learn to, to delegate a few more things, uh, learn not to micromanage as, as much as I have in the past and focus on the things that really, really matter. You know, um, how the merch is displayed, even though I'm, you know, can be a little OCD and in that regard, that's not going to make or break the show. Everybody's drunk, you know, by the time that the third song rolls around, you know, so I need to focus on what I say and the maximum impact and what this set list really is. I have to focus on, even though I've got all this new music, I really have to focus on how much new music to shove down, you know, my fans throats. There's a lot of artists out there when they've got a new record, they're going to do like four hits and 20 new songs. That's not a fun show. So I've realized that, you know, I, I was doing too much new music in the first couple of shows of my tour. So as much as I want to do this new stuff, people came to hear, started with a song and tough times don't last, tough people do drink about me and make a life not a living. So I got to do that. Um, so yeah, what, what, what does my day look like? It, it, it's really important to just settle down, do less and focus on the things that matter. Well, speaking of the new music, you know, we, we just touched it on the top, but, uh, you know, the new album came out uh, this past week. So this Compass Project, you know, I was really looking into it and it's it's really interesting the fact that you've been able to, you know, make it in as one, but it's it's four different pieces and it's four different stories. So do you want to kind of touch on on, on the project, the latest album being the West album um, and, and what kind of inspired it all? Of course. I mean, the inspiration behind the Compass Project, which is essentially four albums that, that are coming out this year, um, it really is a creative um, expression and a very artistic challenge that I posed on myself to show the industry and especially show my fans and anybody who cares about my music that there's a lot more to me than the new country that I've put out of the, over the past decade. I'm extremely proud of the success that I've had and the songs that I've released. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. Um, but there are all these subgenres under the beautiful umbrella that is country music that I love. I love the singer songwriter side, you know, where a guy can just grab his guitar, sit around a campfire and sing these beautiful love songs or songs about the land and songs about life. Well, I've got a bunch of those that no one's ever heard. And I want those to get out into the world. And then as the pendulum swings, to the other side, under the beautiful umbrella of country music is country and Western music, authentic country, authentic Western. So I've got Western swing songs that I've written. I've got songs about cowboy themes. And I've got a song I wrote called Oil and Cattle that is not a commercial song that you're going to hear on Sirius XM The Highway, but it's a song that's really important to me and how much I love the province of Alberta and how much I love the prairies and how much I love the legacy of our of our family farm. So I wanted to put out a record that was like that. And there was no way, gentlemen, that I could have two Western songs, two acoustic songs, two new country songs, and then two, you know, rock and up tempo songs on one album. It would be too disconnected. So I had this aha moment where I realized, hey, why don't I just make four albums that are four unique and important pillars to my musical life? And that's exactly what the Compass Project is. North, East, South, West. South is the Nashville record, that new country record. East is singer-songwriter. West, of course, is country and Western. And the North album is my North Star. That's the live show. So that's my greatest hits album. So that is 
what, 17 songs or 14 songs or whatever it is, but it's all live versions of my hits that we recorded across Canada over the last few years. So when you, when you decided to come up with this, this idea, you know, how is, how is something like this with all these different varieties received by record company or, or, or how did the idea kind of take flight and someone say, you know, this is, this is really cool. Let's take this and run with it. Well, it, everybody told me it was too much music. Everybody told me it was too confusing and everybody told me this will never work. But that's the reason why I wanted to do it. The minute that everybody says you can't do it is the minute I want to say, well, that's why we have to do it. The minute everybody is going in this direction and just doing six song EPs, that's when I'm putting out a 46 song project. So that is just so vastly different in the marketplace. My record label that I was with for 10 years, Warner Music, um, they were extraordinary. Some of the greatest partners a guy could ever ask for. But after we all got back from COVID, um, all of my team had either retired or had been fired. You know, the music business has changed. And I had a team of, you know, 12, 13 people that just woke up in the morning at Warner and they thought of what can we do to make Brett Kissel into a star today? That's just, that's the nature of the beast that I had 13 people and I'm a Canadian country artist. You know, imagine Taylor Swift, imagine Bruno Mars, you know, they've got a hundred people worldwide or more that wake up in the morning thinking about the Bruno Mars or the Ed Sheeran business. Well, once my team was gone, I realized, you know what, it's important for me to maybe spread my wings and fly and do this on my own. Also remembering that I had the idea for the Compass Project for the last few albums that I wanted to do this. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And now I'm an independent artist again. I own all my own rights. And I said, well, shit, I can do it. No one can really tell me no. My team can caution me and maybe say that they don't think it's a good idea, but I own it. So I'll do it anyways. It, it seems almost kind of like buying the ranch. Like it's a, it's a bit of a gamble and it's a bit of a totally different venture, but it seems like there's some yeah. correlation there. Well, there is, and a lot of it just, just comes from the word freedom. You know, the freedom to, to create, the freedom to express, the freedom to try, the freedom to build. Freedom is really, really important um, to me. And so, and that's something I also want to teach my kids and show my kids that, you know, being comfortable maybe isn't, maybe isn't the best place to be. Being a little bit out of your comfort zone or a lot out of your comfort, comfort zone gives you a real opportunity to grow. And so I'm growing a lot as a businessman. I'm growing a lot as a father. I'm growing a lot as an artist because I'm doing some things that are pretty wild, you know? And uh, and I'm just hopeful that I can look back on this chapter, you know, 10 years from now and say, it's a good gamble, but it paid off. Or I'm young enough in the event that if all this shit doesn't work, okay, well, in 10 years from now, I'll only be 43. I don't even think it'll be half done my life at that point. Shit, I got a lot of runway left. Let's give her, you know, give her another go, take another crack at it. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that, that concerned, you know, but freedom is a big priority for me. And so now when, you know, when, when the, the marketplace is, is listening to the albums and fans are, are getting these albums and eventually we'll have all four, you know, how, how do you want people to feel or what, what's the reaction you're looking for from people when they get to experience the north, south, east, and west of, of Brett Kissel? I guess all, all, all I would hope for 
um, is is for the majority of, of folks that listen to these records say, wow, that was that was cool. Or, wow, I didn't expect that. But as long as they can say, wow, you know, like, because it it is, it's not common, that's for sure. So if someone can take a deep dive into the Western side and say, I had no idea Brett was so passionate about his Western roots, that's a victory to me. If someone can say, wow, I've, I've only seen Brett play the live show and it's so high energy, I've never seen him, you know, strip things back in this way, like I do in the East album, well, that's a victory to me. Or if people can listen to the North record and say, oh my God, I, I forgot how many songs Brett had. Wow. Then that's a victory to me. But at the same time, if I don't get any of that, that's okay too. What, uh, what, what is the release date for the final album in the, in the Ford group? It's, here? it's right around the corner. I think it's going to be like December 1st or the first Friday in December. So essentially everything will have been released in this calendar year then. Absolutely. Very interesting. Um, we had one written down, um, how, how nervous you might get before performing those anthems. Uh, last time we talked about the, the Oilers one where the mic failed and everybody was singing anyways, but, uh, but like heritage classics, 50,000 people, probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest crowd you've ever sang in front of and the anthem, you really don't want to F it up. No, you, you, you don't. And my, uh, my brother sent me a, a wonderfully encouraging text, um, <laughs> right before I'm about to go, like he, he can see me as I'm about to get introduced. And I always have my phone with me and stuff like that. So my phone buzzes and I actually thought it was my wife going to wish me good luck. But my brother and I have a funny saying that we say back to each other that my uncle Alan uh, did. So the inside joke is when my uncle Alan would bring us all in for a big cattle roundup, you think he's going to get out his clipboard and he's going to make a play. You know, Brett, you're on gates. Jameson and Mo, you guys are going to be on the heifers and uh, I'm going to be running this area. I'll be calling the shots. Like you think you're going to have a game plan from the elder statesman as you're bringing in, you know, 1500 head of cattle and you got to brand them all and you got to sell them all. You know, you have to have a game plan. And all my uncle does is he gathers everybody around gather around boys, gather around boys. So we all listen. He says, all right, I want no fuck ups. And that's it. And then he just walks away. It is. <laughs> so, so my brother, that's what he texted me. He says, all right. No, no fuck ups. That's what he, that's what he told me. That doesn't motivate you to kick ass. I don't know what does. Right. Yeah. So no, I, I, I don't get nervous anymore. Um, for anthems It's because I love it so much. I feel so honored that I get to sing the greatest song in, in Canada, the greatest Canadian song of all time. And everybody gets to be a part of this moment together. This isn't just me singing the anthem. This is us. This is 50,000 People who love being outdoors are so grateful that we're here. And this is Canada's game at Commonwealth Stadium. Let's all sing together. We got 90 seconds to do it. Let's enjoy this. So that's, and then my job is done. Then I get a good seat. I get to go watch the game, you know, that's, I love it. Are, uh, are we going to pick it up and turn it around here? Did, did anybody claim Campbell off waivers? Like, <laughs> I'm in I'm in dire straits right now with Edmonton. I'm 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 holding out some hope, but I'm nervous. American Thanksgiving is not that far away. I I honestly have no idea what the future is going to be of this uh, of this team, and I'm I'm the, the biggest fan. Like I I love these guys. I love the players. I love the organization, and I'm just so shocked and so surprised because our team is not different. Arguably, I thought we made improvements 
in the offseason. I thought Connor Brown coming in was was great. I thought we got rid of some dead weight. And, you know, we're 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 ready to go. We had a chip on our shoulder from last year. And I love how angry we were. I love how angry Connor and Leon were in every summer interview. We have unfinished business. We have unfinished business. There's still one thing we've got we got left to do. Yes, that's that's damn right. You know, it's like someone getting knocked down in the heavyweight championship fight and then you're mad and you're just going to come and you're going to tear somebody's head off. You know, you know, that's what I thought we were going to do. So can the Oilers get there? Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, how do we gain this confidence back? It's either Woodcroft has got to go in there like a Disney movie and he's got to go in there and just throw chairs around and start roughing things up and grabbing guys by the collar and yanking them to their feet and, and just getting so aggressive that he puts the fear of God into the team. Or maybe he's got to Ted Lasso this thing and he's just got to kill him with kindness and say, it doesn't matter, boys. We're here to have fun. You know what? Screw it. Let's all go to Vegas. Let's get drunk. We've got two days. It's on me. It's on the team. Let's just forget about it because we're taking this too seriously. We're gripping this stick too tight. Let's all get drunk. Let's play with hangovers on the next game. And let's all play guilty and and whatever, boys. You know what? Let's let's just go have fun. Like it's it's gotta be one or the other. I, I don't know. Because whatever's going on right now, it's not working. Option two sounds pretty good. Yeah. Do they need some they almost need to have some like some cage rage matches? Like put the gloves on, put the helmets on, and just like fight it out like if there's some tension in the room maybe that maybe some of that is some of the issue i don't know i wonder just sort yeah. out the sort out the shit ah yeah. uh, i don't want to worry about the flames yeah we won't Sorry, talk about my team we'll yeah. just roll we'll, off we'll, we'll carry uh, on because we're in the same boat okay I'd, I'd just one last question okay yeah music ahead. related i just because i see i think you got a savage sitting behind you on the counter it is november does brett kissel have any time to get any hunting or anything in in november oh yeah i, I absolutely yeah i um yeah, that's uh, some of our some of our uh, guns there. I was just doing a, a little inventory and taking a couple pictures. But yeah, I got my big buck up there. Oh, um, awesome. I got that guy up in uh, up in Saskatchewan at Buck Paradise. He's a beauty. Like, look at look oh, at his beautiful. left side here. Like, look at how tall that is, eh? You that's know. So I just I just love him. Yeah, I, I get a chance to do uh, some hunting. I'm actually going to Buck Paradise here on Thursday, and I'll go there for a week. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what else can I show you? I got two others here um, on this side of the house. Here, I got two other bucks here. Oh, yeah, really? So those are nice guys. Some nice white tails. So yeah, I um, yeah, and I got that 22, 22 here for coyotes. Um, wow. We had a we had a coyote uh, uh, get in and take a few of our chickens. And my wife's favorite chicken is named Elvis. And uh, Elvis is no longer for this world. Elvis has left the farm. And so uh he has left the building. Yeah, he's left the building. He's left oh. the barn. So we're we're waging war on uh, on the coyotes. Here. Predator so, yeah, I got control. Yeah. What, what <laughs> Predator the, control. What about the jersey collection back there? You walk by the jersey collection. We gotta go. Oh yeah, sure. Some of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm at this, dragon jersey in there. Yeah, too. this is my uh, this is my office. So these are all the anthems I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. So, I, so I keep them all there, and I've got all my Euler anthems here. And uh, and everything, but I did you know a couple cool ones like Team Canada. This one's really cool here. This one's uh, 
And like, I'm going to do a sports room downstairs when we, when we finish our, our basement, we have two, two houses on the property. I'm yeah. in the second house right now. And so when we finish that basement, it's going to be an all sports room pool table. And I'm going to get a bunch of these jerseys, um, you know, framed. And I got, uh, I got some real cool ones. Like my dad's old hockey sweater here from the Glendon Comets and my dad, like, so I, I I've got that. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, I love this. I definitely have Drumheller Dragons uh, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere <there>. here. <laughs> let me uh, let me see. It would be K. That's Thunder Bay North Stars. I got a Calgary Hitman. U of A Golden Bears. Brooks Bandits. Um, you can't say Brooks. Yeah, Bandits. I don't know. It might it might it might 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 take a might take a minute, but they're, yeah, they're yeah. all here because that's a, that's an orange one, right? Yeah, it's uh, white and orange, and maybe some black. Right, that would have been white. Maybe I think the one we gave. Yeah, it's 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 in there. It's yeah. in there. But I've I've got to have yeah. probably 150. So that's wild. We got to get you down, Brett. I I primarily work a lot right now with the, the Calgary Roughnecks, our National Lacrosse League team. I don't know if you've been to many games, but we'll have to get you down and get you out on the floor. Do a uh, I I I would I would love that. You know, it's interesting. I've never done. Uh, I've never been to a lacrosse game ever. Oh, oh well, we got to connect because. Uh, they are a party. They our our tagline is "Come for the party, stay for the game," and uh, they're wild. You, I know you'd especially like it. Be yeah. a good one. Well, we'll oh, that to, uh, that would be great. Might have to talk to Keenan. Uh, Keenan on that one. Get him, get him hooked up, eh? Yep. That's the first absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. You've done media all day. What have you not talked about yet that you would want to talk about? Like, I wonder. I wonder where your head's at. And like, what have you like wanted to get to? Like, I wish somebody asked me this. Like, but you haven't done it. I haven't got there no, yet. like any of it fellas you, you you already won the game we talked a lot of hockey and we talked about uh shooting deer i got to show you my jerseys like are, are you like this is this is just not your typical conversation and that's that's what i enjoy so much about it because you know the questions i got today were so tell me about your new music yeah you know or so tell me how you got your start well it's like you know there's it's it's a long story where we're like where do you want me to start you know what i mean so it was great that uh you know that this conversation Hooper. was like that yeah exactly <laughs> well do you know what i think brett's really cool about you and, and i follow your social and and i think the fact that i, I see videos you know popping up on stages with other artists at country bars and and you're just so approachable and personal and i think that the fact that how you do such a good job of telling your story about who you are you know like even for me outside of music, I, I know you're into hockey and I, I know you hunt and things like that. And I think that makes me a bigger fan of your music just because, oh, thank you. because you get to know the person that you are and it's, it's so genuine. I think that's, what's really cool. And, and that's what makes me a fan of artists almost like I love music, but I think that once you get to know the person and what they're about, and what they stand for makes me such a much bigger fan of the music. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think there's just a lot of great artists that that don't just don't take themselves too seriously. Like, you know, uh, Blake Shelton, Luke Bryan, uh, list goes on of guys who just love to have a good time. I live a very blessed life. I'm very, very lucky to that I get to do what I do. So it's important to have fun with it. Again, like I said, prioritize joy. And then the biggest thing is just spread the love. You know, uh, Brandon Lorenzo, give him another shout out. You know, he's just a he's just a great artist. He's a good guy great voice and i was driving down 
you know, the road in uh, on 17th Avenue during the Calgary Stampede, and it was doing an outdoor set. So he and I are good buddies. Like, you know, I knew I was either going to surprise him or scare him, but I just walked up on stage and we, I don't know, we sang Brown Eyed Girl together. Like, you, you know, that's just a fun moment. And I did that in, in Nashville the other day. Um, some buddies of mine were playing at Legends Corner and um, we just walked in and Tip Jar came around and I threw a, I threw a Canadian dollar bill and he looked up at me. He's like, ah, kiss, what are you doing? You got to get up. And, you know, so it was just a lot of fun. And I just love doing that stuff. I really, really do. What What about the boots on your shelf there? Those look like they might be grandpa's boots. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. That's exactly. Those are, those were grandpa's boots. Um, where are they right here? Yeah. Yeah. Grandpa's grandpa's boots. Uh, he wore them at our wedding and uh, he wore them for special occasions. And um, so when he, he passed away. He wanted, uh, they were going to bury him in the boots. And then my uncle Alan said, no, 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 no. He says, you're, you know, you and grandpa have the same size feet. He says, why, why would we put those something along the line? Why would we put those in the ground when you can, you can have them. So, uh, I, I always thought about wearing them, but I, I kind of like having them on display. Cause I've talked about them several times here. This, this one's interesting in my office. I, uh, my other grandpa, grandpa, grandpa bear, I call him. Um, I, I, I wrote him a letter for Christmas. I wrote my grandparents letters one Christmas instead of giving them a gift. And my grandpa wrote me back and he put it in the mail and everything like that. Just proud he is of me and how much. And so there's a picture of us when I was about 16 or 17, maybe, you know, we're chasing, chasing cattle or doing stuff like that. And yeah. So just a lot of, a lot of memories. This one was cool. This came out of, out of nowhere. I got the queen's diamond Jubilee medal. Holy. whatever for outstanding contributions to the province of Alberta. That one was wild. I thought they give that to old guys, um, <laughs> you know, old, old guys who are retired or, you know, philanthropists and stuff like that. But I got like, one. So surely you cool. can wear that and get free drinks wherever you go now. Is that, yeah, is that what it's like, you know, put it, go to the, I'm, I'm going to put that to the test. I'm going to put that on my, my lapel next time I get all gussied up and I'm going to wear it. Um, the, okay, you talk about you just mentioned philanthropist, and Dustin had a question about uh, about Brett Wilson. He knows you guys are buddies. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, well, how do we get him on the show? First off, <laughs> but uh, you guys got a pretty pretty fun relationship. It looks like I, I see you guys do the the concert out in the boat, and uh, I'm sure he's probably been a a bit of a you know someone you can go to uh, when it comes to uh, all the all the ventures you're on. Well, he's. Uh... He's an incredible friend, probably one of the best friends I've ever had. And there, there's only one person in my life that checks off all these boxes. He's a best friend when I need a best friend. He's a father figure when I need a, a father figure. He's a business mentor when I need that. He's like an uncle and a brother. And he's all of that rolled into one human being. And he, every different day, will be somebody different to me and whatever I need in that moment. It's I I kind of can't believe that for someone who's born in 1957 and me born in 1990 that our friendship is as strong as it is. Like if Cecilia and I married each other again, I 100% he'd be in my wedding party. Like he's just I just love him so much. He's helped me out in so many ways. Um, I I mean I live in his condo in Nashville. You know I've 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 rented that place for 12 years now, and that's our home in Nashville. It just, many of the biggest moments in my life, I can trace back to somebody I met 
or a, a circumstance that was presented to me thanks to Brett. No way. So absolutely. I, if you'd like him on, on your show, I'll, I'll text him right away and say, Hey, there's, you got to go. Cause though. Oh shit. I, Help you know, us I, <laughs> let's, let's do, let's do two, a two parter one, just him. And let's see what he says about me. Cause I'm here. <laughs> like I'm gushing, man. I'm just one of my best friends. And Brett's going to be like, yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to get rid of this guy, but he's, you know, <laughs> a stage, a stage five clinger. Like we got to see what he's going to say first. Okay. And then, oh. then we'll have you in the waiting room. And then once, yeah. once we get the, the verdict, then we'll, we'll surprise. We'll, we'll surprise you in. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that'd be we, hilarious. We probably already kept you too long. You probably got to get to your next, uh, next, um, piece. But, uh, we asked you last time what your definition of cowboy shit was. Uh, it's all, it's kind of fun to update those sometimes. So I'm kind of curious where that fits for you. It's probably a little more, a little closer with owning the ranch now and about to have a bunch of cows on the property. So it's going to get a lot, going to get a little more Western around the, uh, the Kissel place soon. It sounds like even well, more Western. We, we talked a lot about joy. We talked a lot about freedom. And I think cowboy shit is having a free spirit, free to do what it is that you want to do, but always choosing, you know, and making the correct decision in that moment, or at least having the attitude that that is your intention. So that is something that is unique to the cowboy and the cowboy way of life is that obviously they they've got the freedom to do whatever it is that they want all these songs are about it but the cowboy way in so many different ways is always about helping out somebody else and a bigger situation something that is bigger than yourself so i uh yeah i look up to 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 the cowboys who um who do that kind of cowboy shit i like it thanks for doing this brett Appreciate it. Well, thanks, fellas. Just poured myself a strong one. Hey, boys, get out the cards. Shuffle up and deal them out. I just cut the ace of hearts. Be careful what you lead with. Don't give away your hand. Because I'll rope you right into a run and peg eight or nine or ten. Looking at your face, looks like you don't like what you see. Whoa, oh son, looky there, it looks like you got 19. Well, 15 to a pair for four, I got a flush for eight. I pegged you back and you bet your ass I'm hot out of the gate. I'm looking for that 29, just give me that kiss we'll cut. Well, 24 will have to do, looks like you're getting skunked. No, I can't think of anything I love doing more than this. Than drinking whiskey with the boys and kicking ass at crib. So once again, for those that uh, those that don't know, you can get Brett's new music wherever music is found. It's on all the channels. You can find it everywhere. And if you can't find it, you're probably doing something wrong. So make sure to check him out on his website, though, Brett Kissel and all the the uh, Spotify's. Make sure to buy the music, too, folks. Um, Got to support the artists. So thanks again yeah, for Brett taking was... the time doing it, though, doing the show with us. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. We... Uh... We originally had like, I think they told us like 20 to 30 minutes with Brett and yeah. he, he kept it rolling and I, I thought it was cool. He's picking up his, his phone and taking us through his <laughs> house, showing up his deer heads and his jersey yeah. collection. And then, and then, you know, when he said to us, you know, like, oh, sorry, it took so long and hopefully that was good. And he's like, man, like everybody's so like uh, structured with their interviews. Like, tell us how you started singing and tell us about <laughs> your song. He's like, he's like, I just had so much fun just, just shooting the, shooting the shit and and uh, so I think it was, I think he had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So yeah, it was awesome. And you get to go see a show this week at Calgary with the, with the CPO. That's going to be really cool. 
Yeah. I wish that wish I could make it too. That'd be that'd be fun. Did, did you guys get you guys got hooked up and you're heading down there? Yeah, yeah we're gonna go check that out. I believe uh, the Jack Singer. So should be awesome. uh, should be should be super cool. So yeah, be a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, okay, I got one more thing before. Uh, well, a couple more things. We got. Uh, uh, we'll talk about Sylvan. Talk about Edmonton. Uh, what else? Um, and then I. But one thing I want to get to though, the aggribition. Oh, we talked about aggribition and the rodeo. And actually, it's funny. Funny thing happened. So the CEO of aggribition called me uh, on Sunday. He texted me. He's like, "Hey, what do you? Can we talk here soon?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. I'm at home today. You know, give me a shot any time." He's like, "Well, we got this bullfight coming up at the uh, on at the start of aggribition, and they're doing uh, they're doing freestyle bullfighting." And they're also doing, um, I don't know how like to say this. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. It says, it's R-E-C-O-T-A-D-O-R-E-S. Recotadors? But, so anyways, like the bullfighters are going to compete in their events, and these guys are going to compete in the freestyle as well. So it's going to be like wow. pretty crazy. But it'll, it's going to be on the 21st of November, 7 o'clock at the exhibition. Uh, freestyle bull, bullfighting presented by Brandt at the Brandt Center. Um, what's it going to be? Man against Spanish fighting bulls and the top contenders in the sport, uh, vibe for precious points in the season standings. Um, but they're gonna do a, an authentic Spanish concurso de rectores. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, but they're not gonna kill the bulls. It's not gonna be like full Spanish bullfighting where they kill the bull. So that is not what's happening. But it's some sort of authentic Spanish, some sort of something in Regina. But it's gonna be totally new. Our editor Sean Morton is going to be on the music for that event. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's still tickets available for that. Um, actually, a cool like uh, um, what do you call it? Like VIP experience. Tickets are, are available at aggravation.com, but seventy five bucks for the first two rows, which include a meet and greet with the bullfighters. So that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Sean uh, Sean Kindrop. From Aggribition, give me a shout and ask to ask us to kind of mention it. So I said we'd give it some love on the show. So if awesome. you're in Regina at Aggribition, you might want to check that thing out. Um, I did mention my thoughts on the uh, on the rodeo segment, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. Yes, but one good one cool thing is, and I've worked with him the last couple of weeks is uh, Robert Schmidt, the favorite son of the CCA. He's going to be there on the mic this year for the first time. So wanted to give Happy him a shout out. Yeah, happy yeah, to congrats see. Congrats to Robert. Yeah, and him and Dennis will be working there, so good oh, to have Dennis some too. good to have some Canadian content in there. I'm surprised that Denny's back after getting canceled a couple of years ago over his Trudeau bus <laughs> driving joke. It never, it never did, it never did uh, keep him from going to that event, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so talk about Sylvan last week. You were at the at at a finals event there a couple weeks ago, or last this last yeah. weekend. Yeah, BRC finals were there and um it was awesome. I actually was working with uh with Robert Schmidt there and Sean Morton. And Sean, uh, Denny yeah. was Denny was there, Tanner Gerlitz, uh the feature productions crew. So it was kind of a nice familiar crew. Um geez, they, they sold the bull riding out both nights. They absolutely packed the Sylvan Lake Arena and and the first night they rode 12 bulls. I think the second night they rode another nine or ten. Um Right on. You know, it's a really good event. Uh, Denver Leach, who just came from the CFR and the novice bareback, um, won the ten thousand dollar finals check. So no way. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Rode rode really good, and uh, there were some really good young young guys that were riding bulls. Bull Gardner was the national champion. Yep. And um, he had a hell of a year. Yeah, 
yeah, he won, he won $54,000 in the BRC this year. So, um, he won some, won some big money. Dang. Yeah. And that Denver Leach won 13,000 there this weekend. So pretty cool to see the young kids uh, doing well. And they, you know, they, they brought a really good pen of bulls, just, just some nice little spinners, uh, got lots of rides. The crowd there was very much a party crowd and, yep. and, uh, and they loved it. So yeah, tip of the hat to everybody in Southern Lake. It was a hell of a good show. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well then wrapping up kind of, I guess my year on the music side of things this weekend is Edmonton. Um, one of the, somebody was joking about how one of the only like national titles that hand, gets handed out in Edmonton now is our PBR Canada title. Cause the Oilers have been so bad lately. So <laughs> hopefully they have won a game or two by then. I think there's a game, there's a game actually tonight that's going on right now, which they are hopefully still at least tied or not losing too badly. But, um, but then, yeah, then there's another game Wednesday. So there's two games. There's one, uh, tonight and then again on on wednesday night so kind of wild and then we get the building like i think 6 a.m on thursday and then we'll have a bull ride in there friday night which is kind of wild so like the dirt goes in and it's a pretty tight turnaround so kind of cool to be in that venue though right pretty unreal i seen the field got announced at 21 that are coming so yeah yeah pretty solid list i like uh i still like i think i picked cover truck quite a while ago to win it it's going to come down to quite a bit, but like Cody, like I think he broke his hand in Saskatoon, didn't get on in the final round there and then went, but went to Yorkton, I guess, and just rode all four of his bulls and did quite well. So riding okay. with like a broken hand, I guess. So interesting though. Um, Nick Tetz is really close. There's a ton of points available. So the, like, I think the top 12 are still technically in the race, which the I don't know if I love it. Riding. Yeah. He's there. He just took the CFR off. Unfortunately for him, he didn't get, didn't get to compete there but uh but but it'll be contending for the hundred thousand dollar prize there in edmonton it uh it's gonna be a fun weekend i'm looking forward to it yeah you guys will have a good show and uh yeah judging by that list there'll be a lot of good bull rides so absolutely yeah and you got like i don't know how he's in it i guess i didn't look at the standings very closely or i don't know might be like a invite kind of thing uh but silvano alves is back again three-time world champion yeah, he's not in the standings. It must be some sort of invite thing. Yeah. Uh, Halverson's the last qualifier. He rode, he rode last year there too, didn't he, Silvano? Yeah, yeah. But Dalen Swearingen, also world champion. So two world champs and two Aussies are coming too, which is kind of neat. The, the top two guys in the Australian standings, Lachlan Richardson and a new guy, uh, something leather. I haven't seen his name a ton yet. Let me look, see what the heck it is to get it right. Uh, yeah, Macaulay Leather from Queensland. Calliope, Queensland. So interesting, but cool, cool to do that little like switcheroony where you got, you know, t- t- top two Canadians, like whoever finishes the top two, or maybe just C- Nick and Cody, they get to go to Australia. And then the top two guys in Australia get to come to our finals. And then the, the other yeah. two must be world champion invites. That must be it. So yeah, it's, it's cool for sure. And, yeah. and some good bull races there. I seen they're going to retire happy camper this week at the PBR. Yeah. Yeah. Heck of a run for, uh, for happy. Yeah. So some good stories. Yeah, going to be a great weekend. Uh, you'll be able to catch it on TSN. If you don't watch it live, it'll be two weeks after. It'll be all on TSN as well. So, uh, yeah, shaping up for me a good couple of weeks. And then uh, then what? Then we're uh, American Thanksgiving to all our friends south of the border. And then right into the NFR. So the next show will be the week before the NFR kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so we'll catch up with you all then. Hey, Dust, you got anything else here? No, I'm all good, Ted. Good happy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 
everyone have a fun week in uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. And wherever we else you are, everybody uh, have fun out there and we'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks again to uh, Sean Morton editor, keeping everything uh, on track, keeping us sounding good out there. Uh, Storm. Thanks for all the graphics kicking butt on all that stuff, making it look great. Uh, anything else, Dustin? Thanks. Thanks to you for doing the show. Thanks for thanks. joining in. Thanks for uh, accepting my Zoom uh, request, and uh, thanks yeah. for Brett Kiss for uh, the great show. Hundred percent. Okay, well, have a good weekend out there, Dust. We'll see you soon. See, see you back at HQ later. tomorrow. You bet. Headlights burning up the highway, cigarette hanging on my lip. Mama, I ain't seen the light of day since I met some habits I can't kick. It's a dark night I don't know if I'll make it out on my own Sunrise to sunrise Everything's a blur behind the whiskey and smoke Devils on my shoulder, demons getting closer All I know is I gotta ride Right into that dark night Right into that dark night